0: Hello everyone, today we are on the second episode of What the Sean? today as my guest I have brought Stefan um, for interview uh, Stefan is from England like myself and We both teach English in Japan um, I've known Stefan for three years More closely the last two um and i just thought come on today to talk about university and um japan and um obviously being away from a family in times like this um and the reality of of life um with a perspective that's different from my own so anyway stefan i'll pass it to you please uh introduce yourself
1: my name is stefan i am 27 years old and i've been a english teacher in japan for the last four years I've just started my fifth year okay and
0: <clears throat> yeah. To summarize it, a... yeah 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> <clears throat> okay let's okay so uh tell us a little bit about your background and stuff like that because i'm well i know you've told me in the past that you um like where were you born, kind of um, how you grew up, I and mean, I know you went to India for uh, for school and that kind of thing. So if you could kind of give give us a little bit of a run through of that, that'd be uh, I'm sure that'd be quite interesting to listen. To.
1: Well, I lived in a small town in the north of England okay. until I was nine, and then my family moved to South India Okay. when my parents were teachers in an international school and I did my schooling there from age 9 to Finish my A-levels when I was 18. Okay all in the one school And And then I did a bit of traveling back to the UK for university and then Japan. And I've been here
0: since. The life story summed up in uh in less than a minute. I, I like I like the fact um, someone can do that. I think that's a, you know, this, 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 this. There you go. That's uh, that's my story. I'm sure there's a lot more details to it than that. So um that's kinda of what I want to get at. So <clears throat> you don't hear people going to India every day. So um what what's what happened then? Uh well well it kind of
1: started when my mum's dad died okay he was he was due to come and live with us okay because he was uh, old and he had some sicknesses and stuff okay and we'd been renovating the house next door and he was supposed to come and live there okay but then he got diagnosed with cancer okay and he was dead within three months Mm. like it wasn't like a long battle sort of like a sudden type thing okay very quick and then I don't know I, I don't know why but then my parents suddenly were like we can do something like we're not sort of tied here, tied to the UK anymore, or okay. okay. maybe there's more there's life there. And From death comes life, trapped. so listen. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the, the right race, or whatever you want to call it, it is just a cage, You're trapped, and you work, sleep, repeat. Okay. But for okay. some reason, they were we can do something they were both teachers okay um, is that
0: is that what they did but, that, was the, that was the natural that was what they did before, prior to that before your granddad died and all that yeah okay
1: yeah they were <clears throat> always teachers and then we well, they did they got a job in an international school in Pakistan okay. so this was pre nine eleven when they'd sort of got the job and all that, and then nine eleven happened like we were still a couple months away from moving a year away from moving
0: okay, so this two thousand one
1: like, yeah when they when they got the job and then so i've got delayed because of all that happening and all the problems that were going on in that part of the world okay and so then we were then due to go 2002 like august okay okay august 2002 but so my, my parents quit their jobs they'd we'd sold everything like car boot sales and charity shops giving all our stuff away and we were living in like in literally an empty house eating our cereal out of disposable bowls and stuff like that sleeping on mattresses on the floor with a suitcase of clothes in our own house camping and then the week before we were due to fly the school was attacked by terrorists okay. and had to close, obviously. Okay. And so we found ourselves in a bit of a weird situation. Me and my brothers had been pulled out of school. My parents quit their jobs. We'd sold the cars. And we didn't have any possessions. And, like Homeless in our own home Type thing And then I don't know Somehow Within a week They had got another job <coughs> okay. In in India And And then it was sort of I don't know like, I was Eight or nine years old So like Don't really know what was going on I guess for mum and dad, it must have been super stressful. imagine so. No, that's and no. then no, that Yeah, right. we had to sort out our passports. Because <clears throat> our passports, we had a Pakistani visa. And obviously, Pakistan and India aren't the best of friends. And there's a big stamp on the page in the capitals, like, not valid for India. And so they had to sort out new passports, new visas. Knew everything, and somehow, within two weeks of we were in India. Literally, within two weeks of the terrorist attack in Pakistan, we were sat in India at a new school with a new job. Yeah, that's a bit of a whirlwind,
0: (laughs) to say the least. (laughs) No, um, it's it's good that you know things kind of work out today and I kind of I think that'd be a good message for today you know okay right now we're we're in uncertain times to say the least and you know we we hope well willingly that um you know things kind of come together in the end we're in that kind of position now where we're all a little bit lost um trying to bring some routine to our lives you know days kind of bleeding into the other and um, you know, not not knowing about um obviously the work situation and this and that. And, you know, you kind of have to hold on to some higher idea. That's what, you know, obviously my first interview with Danny was very for Christianity and um, you know, this idea that God will get you through. Um obviously that's that's there if you want to listen to it. Um but in a more you know in the situation for us specifically right now you know we're uh, away from our families um you know it's it's I w- i'm not worrying about the situation but it certainly you know gradually day by day becomes a little bit more of a concern personally for me i don't know about for you but it's a worrying it's it can be a, it, it can seem a worrying time it can seem you know the world is uh is ending <laughs>
1: I think it's a bit different here though in Japan I mean like
0: it seems as in different like from the bubble as in, like, as in different from the West? As in how it's been handled? As in what, what do you mean when you say yeah? Like, different? As in for personally? Or?
1: Well everything like when you look at the news like it's like serious everywhere Okay. And then you look out the window and nothing's changed. <laughs> like <laughs> there's more masks and stuff, but it doesn't seem like it's being taken as serious as everywhere else.
0: It doesn't have that we feeling
1: came a couple of months behind like when the West was oh, it's the flu it's it'll pass like um in end of January, February. It kind of seems like we're there every day. I think on the news, it seems to get a little more serious, but yeah, yeah it's still pretty normal.
0: Yeah, like I said, it doesn't give you that feeling of you know terrorism, yeah, to see the leader, no. yeah, um, you know. Obviously, I've been trying to stay at home as much as possible. You know, obviously, walking and doing all these things keeps me sane. It keeps, you know, you need these things to keep you sane in that kind of way. Um, but, you know, you still people see people on the streets, you know, in the morning. You wake up and, you know, you still hear cars on the road. Rush hour still ticking. Trains are still moving. Um, yeah. Um, so, and it will... We'll, we can always go back to that if need be, but um, just go through your university, Stefan, and kind of what brought you to Japan. Why? Why Japan? Because I know in previous conversations we've had, um, you always considered South Korea, Taiwan, or you know these, you know the different types of different the different countries available or that there's work for English teachers and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, well, I have to go back a bit more than. Because it's it was not like
0: as far back as you want, Stefan.
1: <laughs> it's not like everybody's like, "Okay, I've done my uni, let's go to Asia." It was more like um I get I've grew up in Asia. my holidays were spent traveling Asia. Okay. Asia was just home, mm-hmm. and so when I was on my eighteenth birthday, I got a flight from India to Australia. I spent two years there. And then
0: like working holiday? Yeah. But
1: not officially because um I wasn't old enough for the visa. Cause you have to be eighteen at the time of application and you have to apply months in advance and obviously I wasn't. So it's sort of cash in hand farm jobs bar work whatever i could find just mm-hmm. sort of yeah so i did sca- that for sca-
0: scavenging is that a good one yeah
1: like i'd i'd already done my uni applications and been accepted and whatever but i'd applied for the year after okay like um i wanted a year off it was all in my plan and i didn't want to go Straight from school into school. So I did that. <sighs> did that for a year and a half. Went back to England. A couple of months before uni. Because I thought, oh, I'll get a part-time job in, like, a supermarket or whatever. Okay. Have a bit of extra money for uni. But that didn't happen. I was just on the dole. Like, um... Unemployment money, whatever you want to call it Everywhere else in the world And that was just terrible It was when the government started this um, Work experience program And so People who were on unemployment Could be Taken on By these shops and Whoever needed it that's work experience, and I was taken on with a bunch of other people by the the pound pound shop pound land, whatever it's called, and they they took advantage of this program they eventually got kicked off it because they were just yeah, they weren't using it properly. What they did is. They were taking on all this free labour mm-hmm. and they were putting us in the rubbish jobs like the stacking the shelves, the the stuff like that. They weren't giving us experience. The people they were paying, they'd put on the tills handling that type of stuff with the customers, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they
0: uh, any customer interaction stuff obviously not is you're you're kind of separated from that in a way.
1: Yeah, they had all those free people doing the the manual rubbishy stuff, and so they they basically cut everybody's hours. So as free people, we were doing more hours than even like the assistant manager in the store and stuff like that, because they just had the paid workers on rotation at the tills, mm-hmm. and we were doing. Like 30 hours each, like the free labor, 30 hours a week. Whereas the other people were doing like 15 hours a week
0: and getting paid for it half time. And uh, yeah,
1: Interesting. Yeah, so, yeah <laughs> they got kicked off the scheme for taking advantage of it in the wrong way. And I guess that sort of dimmed my view of working in the UK after uni so I did my uni and then it comes to like looking for jobs and I studied international relations okay. which is kind of broad and wasn't really helpful in finding a goal for the end of uni okay. so after uni I didn't know what to do but growing up in Asia, I was like, I'd like to go back.
0: It had some familiarity for you.
1: Yeah, it felt more like home.
0: Kind my, of my family U-
1: was still there. Okay. Like, my older brother was in England. And so was I, but that was it.
0: So. so yeah, some familiarity in, in, in Asia and, um, you know, the UK being this kind of alien place in a way.
1: But I also knew that, I didn't want like a tourist job in a bar on a beach or backpacking English teacher type.
0: Something a bit more significant, you know, where you wanted, you know, kind of this idea of university now, obviously, um, you know, a lot of people go to university or feel, you know, feel they have to go that way. And, um, you know, a lot of people are directionless and don't necessarily know the direction they want to take their life or you know, they hope that university kind of will you know, will lead the charge and, you know, take them through. Um, and I don't think the reality is um is is that. I think it's a bit different than what it says on the tin. Um, obviously I'm not kicking universities or anything, you know. Um they help me and um make make you know, help my educational background grow and um you know, all these other things. But I think there's kind of this push at schools and society that, you know, university is like the what well, the, the the yellow brick road follow it. Yeah, we're told
1: like a like a ladder. So you do your primary school, and your secondary school, then your A levels, and then university, and then you get a job. And you do it in that order. Otherwise, you don't get a job, and you can't skip one of the runs because you won't get a job. But it's not just a—it's not a ladder; it's just an option. But you know, you don't really sell it as an option.
0: I, I always, always remember one of my—I always remember one of my old teachers saying, "You know, life shouldn't be hatch, match, and dispatch." I always, uh, always try to apply that to my life and try and give it a bit more meaning if I possibly can so yeah you were saying um so you got how does it how did it work with the job in Japan
1: well I finished my uni and obviously you need a job to sort of survive in this world and my uni wasn't helpful in well my degree wasn't like so it wasn't like a specified you do your degree and then you go and get this type of job it's a really broad thing and i didn't know what i wanted to do but you have to do something and so i looked at english teaching in asia but specifically in like a, well those weren't my three first ports of call I did some research and looked at like the average salaries and work style and all that type of stuff. And I wanted like a proper-ish
0: type job. Just, just to remind everybody, that's uh, the three Stefan referred to were um, Taiwan, South Korea and Japan. Is that that's correct? Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. And uh, So I'm, like a full-time working job, not a make money so I can move to the next town type job. that makes sense
0: yeah hop from Uh, one place to the other and kind of never having some form of stability
1: yeah i want yeah like a proper work lifestyle type so those are the three countries i settled on okay and it just so happened that japan and the job i've got now that was the my first interview and i got accepted straight away okay and then yeah, that was, what was it, five years ago, I had the interview, six years, I don't even know.
0: But, yeah. We lose track of time, don't we?
1: Yeah,
0: it's all sort also
1: of, one big mush now.
0: Blends into them. I agree, I really do. Um, so one, one point I've made just before doing this interview was um, some people kind of have this idea that Japan is, you know, the promised land the land of milk and honey um, you know you know people who enjoy anime or people who enjoy you know asian cultures or you know the idea of maybe meeting a japanese wife or you know coming here for a year and then going you know there's us. that are we're not what i would deem fully long term but we're longer term than and you know people who i've had the experience to know What's kind of your opinion on living in Japan, and just not, not necessarily, you can include it if you wish, obviously, you know, the, the virus time, the times of now, um, but just what your experience has been like since you arrived, because you've, you've been here longer than me, so.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't really have, like, the sex, well, I guess I did, like a pre-existing idea of what Japan was, <laughs> but... I've not really been in, well, I'm still not into that type of the western sort of view of Japan, anime, all that stuff. I've never really been into any of that. and I guess, in my head, Japan, it was like this futuristic robot place. (laughs) Everything's high-tech and a bit quirky and different. But it which i guess is sort of the western view of it but yeah and so yeah like those toilets with you need a degree to use the toilet type (laughs) 10 million buttons and the you can wash your clothes in the toilet whatever (laughs) no not exactly but yeah
0: you throw in everything and the kitchen sink
1: yeah kind of unnecessary gadgets mm. I guess I would put it that was sort of my view of it and it's
0: it's a weird place
1: it's like a mix of the future and the past
0: uh, I think that's a really good summary uh, yeah what do you, how do you mean like give it examples okay obviously you've said about you know the futuristic toilets that um, open up and you know there's the heated ones in the winter and whatever else but yeah, there's lots of, like,
1: technology in places where you don't necessarily need it. Okay. I don't want to keep going back to the toilet, but, for example, the toilet.
0: <laughs> Stefan, everything then, always ends in the toilet.
1: <laughs> then there's, um, lots of stuff seems just a bit backwards. Like, the banking systems, the postals. Every The government, it all still seems to be paper-based. Like services that should be three clicks on your phone is 45 minutes filling out documents and going to different buildings and not even 45 minutes, days, trying to just sort out simple stuff.
0: The love for paper yeah. here yeah, does not, it is, does it's, uh, it's, It. it's always, it seemed apparent from day one. Yeah, I will, I will say that that's quite a difference yeah. What about, like, in, what about, for example, okay, that's institutions and buildings. What about, say, people you you have encountered or friends you've had or this or that? <sighs> kind of was, open, uh, a more uh, open mentality or kind of, you yeah. know. How would you? I
1: guess as a foreigner, the people that you meet are the more open ones. Mm. It's not. It is a racism, but it's also Japanese people seem a bit like timid and shy.
0: Mm. Do you think that's kind of like culturally kind of pushed, or it's just kind of um, uh, a byproduct of kind of how life is here? kind of not wanting to voice a bit, not, not, not kind of wanting to kind of, you know, place any emphasis on the individual, kind of more on, on the community, on the collective sphere, really.
1: Yeah, they're very into, there's a way to do stuff, and you, that's how you do it. I think that's very
0: good as well. You know, there's, for example, there's the the, the flu tests here, and, you know, the, the, they, you know, whack it up your nose and that seems to be one of the only ways to do it and it's it's you know you could probably speak to a seventy eight year old woman and she'd stand by that until you know until her dying day i'm sure kind of this ingrained kind of idea of how things are and how things should be i think and i think that's quite yeah, hard there's to not a out. lot
1: of asking why you mm-hmm. just told this is how it's done okay and people don't ask like why just... Oh, okay. And then you do it. Okay. And... Yeah, so like the people you do meet... Usually are the people that have gone abroad. The people that have... Travelled a bit or...
0: They have a little bit of curiosity about them.
1: Yeah. Or they've had some alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And... There's also a thing of... Um, people... Don't want to talk to you because they don't want to be wrong. Like use English incorrectly,
0: yes. make a mistake. Because it kind of this lose face kind of mentality. Yeah. Mm.